0: And Fred, you can play the piano, man, i tell you what. (laughs) It's a blessing for me to be with you all today, uh, especially to be at worship with Ken and Ashley Lowry. Um, Many of you may not know, Ken and Ashley were, I had the privilege of being their pastor for 12 years in Florence, and Ken and Ashley were in a discipleship group that Susan, my wife, and I, Had at our home every Sunday night, and for eight years, Ken and Ashley would come and sit in our den with uh, about five other couples and studied the Word of the Lord together. They had their babies there. They'd bring them in strollers and park them in the kitchen while we had our studies. It was a real blessing. So when Kent called the other day, he said, You think you might want to preach some more? And I said, I might could do that. So uh, so I'm uh, thrilled to be able to... Help you all out a little bit and be here with you um, for the next couple of Sundays. Yates was putting the, uh, some tape on my microphone a while ago, and I was thinking about uh, the preacher who was invited to preach as a guest preacher at the church. And when he got there and stepped up in the pulpit, he had a big band aid across his face. And he said, I have to explain to you, I'm a little self conscious. He said, um, uh, this morning, I was a little nervous. I was thinking about my sermon, and I cut myself while I was shaving. After the sermon, the chairman of the deacons came to him and said, this note was in the offering plate. And he got the note, and he opened it and said, next time, think about your shaving and cut your sermon. So ho- ho- hopefully hopefully that won't be something we have to uh, worry about today. But uh, uh, I want to thank um, Gray for sending me a very thorough list of uh, the way y'all go about things here, and she even gave a a time recommendation for the sermon, so Gray, thank you for that. We're going to read our scripture in just a minute, and I understand it's your custom to stand as we do that, which I think is wonderful, but uh, before we get to the scripture, since I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks, I want to kind of do a little mini series so to speak if if I could and around finding our purpose in life why am i here what is god wanting me to do in my life kind of what is my purpose now you know there have been hundreds and hundreds of books written about this thousands of sermons are written we could Many, many different directions we could take this, so I've only got a couple of weeks. We're just going to touch on a few things with that, but I think it's important because over my, over three decades of preaching, the question that I've probably been asked the most by members of my congregation, those who are seeking to follow Christ, is How do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know if what I'm doing in my life is what God wants me to do or is it just what I want to do? And that's a real struggle, my friends, we're going to see in just a few minutes. We, We like to do what we want to do. And sometimes we even couch it under the phrase, God wants me to do it. When really it's just something we want to do. I think deep down we all know that, you know, that, hamster wheel that we seem to live on in our lives just hurrying and hurrying and hurrying but never seeming to get anywhere is certainly not what God would have as his plan for our life yet that's how so many of us have lived our lives for so much of our life the Bible is very clear God has a plan for your life he's got a purpose for your life because you are created in the image of God. I want to read this morning from the prophet Jeremiah. So if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Jeremiah 29 in your Pew Bible. I'm reading from the Pew Bible this morning. It's page 656. And then we're going to flip over to one verse in Proverbs. But I have to tell you, there's a mistake in your bulletin. Now, I know Gray doesn't make mistakes, but the preacher does. When I sent her the information for the bulletin I was think Jeremiah 29:11 is kind of the key passage most of you already know that by heart. And so when I was typing in and I gave her the Jeremiah passage and then I just said Proverbs 29:11. That's not the verse we're going to read today. <laughs> it's going to be Proverbs 19:21. We're going to go just in just a minute to Proverbs 19:21. So disregard that. Not Gray's fault, my fault. The people of Israel have been taken into exile. And we read this, words of Jeremiah, particularly a verse that has meant a lot of hope to a lot of people. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar had kind of cleaned house in Jerusalem, hauled them all off into the foreign land of Babylon. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan and Gemara, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For this says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. And do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And if you flip over to Proverbs, and I realize I forgot to ask you to stand. Would you stand for Proverbs? Proverbs 19:21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Please be seated. <clears throat> Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? What am I to do in my life other than just try to earn money, to buy new cars, to provide for my family, to build big homes? Somehow we inherently know that we're here for something more than what can I get for myself. Now, granted, we work very hard to try to acquire a lot of things in life, but we know that all of the things we acquire, and the older we get, and I'm one of those here this morning, the older we become, the more we realize that the more stuff we get, that is not what brings meaning and purpose into our lives. Now, I think deep down, as followers of Christ, we know that to be true. But yet, some of the challenge I hope to give you today is to look at your own life and to see if maybe that has not become a primary focus and purpose within your life. Yes, we sit in church on Sunday morning and we feel good about that. But how do we move that profession of faith on Sunday morning into the living of our lives throughout the week? The older we get, the more we realize the stuff doesn't really matter. Now, as we jump into this message today, I want to give you a little background in Jeremiah. The people of Israel, because of their constant, willful, continuing acts of disobedience, God finally says enough is enough. Now we all love the passages in the Bible where it talks about God's love and God's forgiveness. And that's all true, and thank God for that. But there comes a point in our life when we willfully, continually disobey God that we will be held accountable. And this is where the people of Israel have found themselves. It's around 597, 587 B.C. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has come against the people of Israel and he has hauled them all off into a foreign land because of their continued disobedience. Now, I am quite sure that if we were hauled off from our lands, we would be crying out to God, when can we go home? When will this be over with? Forgive me, Lord. Now, let's go back home. I've asked for forgiveness. Now, if you back up a little bit, in chapter 28, there was a, quote, prophet we see was not really a prophet of God who was telling the people, That in two years, they're going to go back home. God is going to take them back home in two years, and life is going to be good again. Well, you read in chapter 28, Jeremiah confronts Hananiah, that's his name, and tells him he is not speaking for God, and at the end of chapter 28, Hananiah dies. And then Jeremiah has these words from the Lord for the people. And Jeremiah basically says... Listen, you're going to be here for 70 years. Now, I'm pretty confident that's not what they wanted to hear. You're going to be here for 70 years. And I want you to let your wives, let your children find spouses. Raise your children here. Work with the people that have taken you captive. Because their prosperity becomes your prosperity. And in 70 years, the Lord says, then I will visit you. You know, in our lives when things are not going very well... When things are not going the way we want them to go, sometimes we feel that we have maybe been abandoned by God. The doctor says it's incurable cancer. You come home from work and your spouse says, I don't want to be married to you anymore. You go to work and they say, sorry, we're downsizing, and you're part of the downsizing. You cry out to God for direction. You cry out to God for some sense of His presence and His peace in your life. And sometimes in the struggle, all you experience is the struggle. And you begin to wonder... Where is God in my life? I'm pretty sure the people of Israel, when they heard 70 years you will be here, basic, my friends, basically that means that that generation of people were never going home. 70 years was pretty much a lifespan in that day and time. So go ahead, settle in, do what God tells you to do. Because then Jeremiah says, God says, I know the plans I have for you. In other words, I have not forgotten about you. I have not left you. I am still your God and I am still sovereign in your life and in the life of my people. I know your plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and the hope it was just not quite the future and the hope that they wanted at that moment in their lives you know sometimes it is at the lowest points in our life when we are crying out to God out of total sense of emptiness When we hear those words, I have a plan for you. I have not abandoned you. I have not left you. But sometimes, my friends, we have to live through the crisis in order to experience the blessing. We're a people in a culture who love instant gratification. It's a real problem in our lives. We want what we want now. But one of the lessons, there are many lessons in Jeremiah here, but one of them is that sometimes we have to live through the crisis in order to experience the blessing of God. Trusting and believing that throughout the whole crisis, God is still in charge. Again, throughout my ministry... They have been many, many times. Some of them I have helped shepherd the people through crisis and others, crises that happened earlier in their lives. And and when it's all said and done, they look back and, and I've actually had people say, I thank God for that problem that I had in my life when I thought He had left me. But now looking back, I realize He was the one that was carrying me Through the crisis, my faith and my belief in God is stronger now. After the crisis, he walked through with me than it was when my prayer would just make me happy and make the crisis go away and make life good again. Sometimes we have to go through the crisis to know the blessings and the peace that God has for us. Now, shift gears with me for a minute. <clears throat> when we begin to try to find God's purpose and will and answer questions like why am I here? There are a couple of very important Issues that we have to deal with. I, I I started to call them mistakes that we sometimes make. And maybe that's the best word to say. Mistakes that we sometimes make when we're kind of crying out to God to discover God's purpose in our life. And I want to share just three of those for us this morning that I have found in my own life. And I always tell people, I'm preaching to me. And if you happen to get something out of it, God bless you. So these three mistakes are mistakes that I have certainly made in my life, and maybe you can relate to just a few of those. The first mistake is that sometimes, even though we're sitting in church, sometimes we deep down doubt that God really does have a purpose for me. I mean, we grow up, mom and dad are taking care of us, we go off to, to school, we come back, we start our jobs, we, you know, we have, we're have. we indoctrinated to try to figure out what we want to do as a career, what we want to do in our lives, who we're going to marry, how many children we're going to have. You know, we've pretty much been in charge of most of those decisions, at least that's what we think. And so we began to wonder, you know... I know God loves me. I know He's created me in His image. I know that He died on the cross for my sins. I know that if I ask for forgiveness of my sins, God will forgive me. And through my faith, I am a new creation in Christ. We know all of that stuff up here in our heads. But I think many times we really seriously doubt that God is going to intervene In my life. I I hear what he does in the lives of the missionaries. Maybe the preachers. I've got a friend who left their job and went off and served God on the mission field. But, you know, I've never experienced anything like that. And so, so we think, well, yes, God loves me. But it's pretty much up to me to kind of figure out this thing we call life. So we begin to just do the best we can. And everybody around us, their goals and objectives is to make more money, have a bigger house, buy more cars, buy more stuff. And part of us resists it, but part of us buys right into that thinking. You know, it's, it's hard when we fall into that attitude, even if we don't want to, because it's pulling us further and further away from our relationship with Christ. You see, apart from our relationship with Christ, we have no choice but to try to figure it out ourselves, figure out what will make us happy in life. Where do we go? What do we do? What's the path we're supposed to take? I I remember reading years ago a line from Alice in Wonderland. Some of you read it, I'm sure, as children. You maybe read it to your children. And in it, Alice asks this question. She says, would you tell me, please, which way ought I to go from here? The cat says, well, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. I don't much care, Alice says. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, the cat said, as long as you go somewhere. We're all on a journey somewhere, my friends. And I think for those of us in church on Sunday morning, we want very much that journey to be the path that God is preparing for us. But we have to be honest and recognize that there's a strong tendency within all of us to want to chart that path ourselves. And my challenge to you today is always to be looking at your life and and is the direction that you feel like you're, you're taking, the plans you're making, are they something that bring glory to God? Or something that just makes us feel better about who we are? God tells us in the scripture we are created for a purpose, that he has a plan for us. Don't ever stop seeking that plan in your life, because God will never stop seeking you. A second mistake, and I think one that is maybe a little bit more challenging, Sometimes we are afraid to discover God's purpose for our life. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say that. Sometimes we are afraid to discover God's purpose because what if God wants us to? What if God very clearly makes his purpose clear to you? And it's not something you want to do. What if God makes his purpose clear and all of a sudden you come to the reality that this is not what I want to do? Maybe it's as simple as teaching a Sunday school class or your covenant groups, I understand. Being a part of a group or leading a group. Maybe it is volunteering for some uh, program that reaches out to the needy in Charleston. I see that's part of your mission statement, to be a, a light in this community. Or God forbid, maybe he might want me to do something in foreign missions and have to go overseas. I got family and children and a job here. How can I do that? Maybe God might want to change the whole direction of your life. He did that to me. And I have to tell you, I fought it as hard as I could fight it. I did not want to do what God was calling me to I prayed for His will to be done in my life for His purpose. When He revealed it, I did not want to do it. I'm going to get real personal here now, so you might not want me to come back anymore. And I resisted what God wanted me to do. And I was leading a Bible study in our home. I was an elder in the Presbyterian church. You know, I was what a Christian was supposed to look like. And when God made that very clear to me, I ran as hard as I could run. But I want to tell you this. When you're running from God, there will be no peace, There will be no joy. There will be no contentment in your life. When you ask God to show you and He shows you, you better be willing to do it. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. I want to assure you that when God calls you to do something, whether it's teaching a class Serving missionaries, serving the poor in Charleston, preaching the gospel, whatever it is. God, when He calls you to do something, God is the one who will give you the skills and the abilities to accomplish what He's called you to do. God is the one who gives the gifts. God is the one who gives the peace to do whatever it is he is calling you to do. But you don't experience it until you take that step of faith and say, Lord, here I am. I am willing to follow. The Bible is filled with examples. Abraham, a wealth the wealthiest man in the world, and God says, Come on, we're going somewhere else. I'm sure he was a little anxious about where God was going to take him. Or Moses, I can't talk. I can't do that. I've come from the Pharaoh. I'm like his son. I can't go back and do that. I imagine Daniel was a little afraid as a young man walking to the lion's den there. He had confidence in God, but I'm sure there was a little stress in his life at that moment. But he trusted God anyway. How about Saul, the great persecutor of the church, oversaw the killing of Christians in Acts. But God changed his life and gave him the gifts and the abilities to do what was necessary for Saul to become Paul, the greatest evangelist the world has ever known. All of the twelve disciples, just. Common fishermen, tax collectors, ordinary, uneducated people. Yet God used them because they were willing to be used. Here's what I want you to walk away from in this point it is not about your ability, it is about your availability. The missionary that I worked with for many years in the Amazon, we would take people deep into the Amazon jungles and we'd be sitting on the boat way down in the jungle somewhere and he said, Barry, all God asks is if you show up, God's going to show out. And I've never forgotten that. You see, how can God show out in your life if we don't show up to be used by God? Don't be afraid to discover God's purpose. The third mistake, for lack of a better phrase, kind of tied in with this one we just talked about, but what, when God shows it to you, when God makes it clear, what happens if we choose not to go? See, I've always warned people to be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. Because if you ask God to show you His purpose for your life, I believe God will show it to you. Maybe not on your time frame, but God's going to show you that if you sincerely want to know. But you better be prepared to do what God says. Because otherwise you find yourself turning away from what you know. Is the clear call of God in your life. I will never forget in my own personal struggle. This is just one of these little things that you just don't forget. I remember thinking, as hard as I was pushing against God and not wanting to do it, and had a, I mean, I was running a business, a real estate development company. That was what I thought I'd be doing all of my life. My family had been into 40 years, and never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be a preacher. And I had a long list of excuses why that couldn't happen. We had children, they were starting school, all of our families lived here, my security was here. But I remember thinking if I don't do this, I will never again be able to teach a Bible study. I will never again be able to sit in church with any integrity because I, of all people, would be the biggest hypocrite of all. Because I would have made the conscious decision to turn away from the call of God in my life. Be careful what you ask God for. Because you do not want to find yourself in the position of having to say no. Because if you say no, what you're really saying is, God, I am in charge of my life. I'm not not going to let you be in charge. So my friends, be careful when you ask God to show you His will, to show you His purpose, to give you direction in your life. Because it might not be the direction you have worked maybe many years, as I had, to accomplish. A great road of worldly success. But God had another plan. You might be dead on track with His plan for your life. And that's wonderful. And I'm sure that many of you here are. But you might not be. And you need to be ready to make that change if God says otherwise. See, I I think about the words of Isaiah when he went into the temple in Isaiah 6 and the presence of God filled the place. He fell on his face and he cried, woe is me. But then God spoke and Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. That's not just a commission for missionaries when we ship them to Africa. That's a challenge to each one of us. When God says, here's what I want you to do, that's what you've been asking me for. Now here it is. I want you to be able to say, here I am, Lord, send me, with all the fear and trepidation that goes along with that. I don't want you or this church or any of us as followers of Jesus to be people who just know all about God but never really follow God. I don't want us to be people that learn all about Him in our covenant groups, But really, never become real disciples of Jesus. I titled the sermon this morning, Why Am I Here? Now, as good Presbyterians as I know you are, we know the answer to that question from the first question of the catechism. What's the chief end of man? And we all know it by heart. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We glorify God by living our lives in accordance to the will and the purpose of God. We already know part of the answer to the question. God has created us to be in relationship with Him because He loves us. The cross is the evidence of that love. You know, I love in the very beginning, I'm going to close, the very beginning of the Bible, when Adam and Eve are, when they've eaten the fruit of the tree and they recognize their eyes are open and they realize what they have done. And when they hear God walking in the garden to find them, you know the story, what do they do? They hide from God. They hide from God. But God comes looking for them. Because it is God's desire to be in relationship with his people. Because he loves us. My friends, God's plan for your life is way, way better than any plan you might have for your life. It is a plan for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and the hope. Because you belong to God. So if you're in a crisis in your life now, remember God is with you through that crisis. If you're crying out to God for direction, just be careful. Because if He gives it to you, and He will if you want it, you better be prepared to follow it. I close with Proverbs 19:21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. We understand that. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful today for just a little bit of the lesson of Jeremiah. For Lord, as you had plans for your people then, You have plans for your people today. And I thank you for this church and for its leadership and for the way it is seeking to be faithful to the call you have placed in their lives in this church to be a proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ in this community. Lord, bless them and the work that they do. Lord, you know the plans you have for us. And they are so far better than the plans we have for ourselves. Give us the courage and the strength to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.